Good evening. How's everybody doing? Welcome to Element City Church. We are thrilled to have you here, to have you joining us online from your home. Uh, we are just, it's a great, great day. Everyone feeling all right? Feeling good? Um, hey, uh, if you happen to be new, we'd love to invite you to download our free app. Just go to your app store, type in Elements City Church. You'll find our app. You could download that. Uh, you'll find lots of different things on there, like events that are coming up. You'll find a, a connection card. We'd love to connect with you if you happen to be new. Uh, and you can fill out that connection card. It's just name, email, phone number. We'd love to follow up with you. We know it's hard connecting to a new place. And so we want to connect over that connection card. If you've never filled that out, uh, we'd love love to get to meet you in that. And the second way we love to get to meet you is at our 10-minute party, which happens in the back corner over here, right at the end of service. For less than 10 minutes, stop by. We've got the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon just for you for showing up. Uh, we'd love to give that gift to you. We've got a lot of folks who go out to dinner afterwards every Sunday night, and so we'll let you know that place afterwards. Uh, but want to make sure everyone's feeling good, feeling good. Stretch it out a little bit. Um, and we're doing great. Um, so if you happen to be here. We pray for the Church of the Week. If you happen to be online, we do that too, but uh, we'll pray from your house. So the Church of the Week this week is Ina Road Church of Christ and Pastor Caleb. And so if you're here in the house, I'm going to invite you to stand up uh, where you're at. If you're at home, you can stand if you want or whatever you want to do. We're going to pray for the Church of the Week. We'll launch into worship. We're going to continue on in our series in Romans chapter 8 tonight, and uh, we'll have a great night. So um, Lord, we pause right now. We know each of us coming from different places in the swirl and busyness of life, and we just want to kind of take a second to catch our breath. This next hour or so, we lay at your feet. And Father, we're asking for you as our Father, for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit, to move in our midst. We pray for Ina Road uh, Church, Pastor Caleb. We pray your blessing over them. God, in, in the sphere of Northwest Tucson, where they're located, ask that you continue to give them leverage and input and insight into uh, making a difference there in that side of the city, uh, to reaching friends of those who call that church home and, and those that you're searching after. Father, we continue to pray for influence here uh, in, the, in the heart of the city where you've located us. We want to reach people where they are and, and reach people where they're at. And so, Father, as we uh, lift these next few moments to you, as we worship you, kind of aim our, our heart's attention in your direction, we just invite your spirit to move in our midst. We lay our, our burdens aside, put those down. And Father, would you meet us in these moments? May we worship you. May you inhabit the praises of your people. And, and may something special happen here tonight just because your presence is here. Father, as we look to you, whether we're looking to you from home and hitting pause in life or here in the room. Father, we want to hear from you, we ask in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. our King, and come let us bow at His feet, He has done great things. See what our Savior has done, see how His love overcomes, 
He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken life. Oh, Jesus. Lift your eyes, look to the sun. 
task in the trial His grace is enough His grace is enough Oh my soul Remember who you're singing to Take heart, hold on Remember who you're singing to Hey, still the Lord Almighty He's still the King of Kings He's still the risen Savior Reigning over every day His name's still the highest His strength will never fail His word is everlasting yesterday
So good. 
And when I've been the fool And when I've hid from you You still call out my name And when my flesh is weak Would you help me see You're all that I need You're all that I need since I walked into these doors today. I want to be more like your son. Father, imagine, and I know you have a world where your church steps out of the boat, is reliant, on your beautiful, glorious grace, your power, and your love for us. Man, what this world would look like. 
with that church. And you've called us to be that. Empowered by an incredible love, an incredible pursuit that you've pursued each and every one of us as your kids. You are our advocate. So Father, here tonight, I pray that your presence would just rest heavy on each of us. That maybe when we leave, we'd see just a little bit more about how you see us, our identity as your child. Abba, Father, man, you love us. God, I pray that you would be with Jack tonight as he shares. His words uh, be yours in every single way. So excited to see what you're going to do and how you can grow us to play our part, to play our role as Elements City Church here in Tucson. So honored that you've given us that responsibility to carry your cross and to carry it well. Be on the move. You are so worthy of our praise, and we love you. Amen. You guys can have a seat. It is beautiful to worship together. There's nothing like being in the room with brothers and sisters, praising God. And uh, <clears throat> there are sometimes... I just get caught up in the story. I wish I had time to just tell you all the God stories. Um, so it, <clears throat> COVID hits and it forces the church out of the building. You know what's fascinating? It's Friday. I did a wedding in the courtyard here of a, of a couple that was battling cancer has been in this building one time in the last two and a half years. Watch us every week. Dan, Jennifer, waving to you. I wish you could meet them. You will. But think about that story and how God's meeting them where they're at. We got a guy traveling in Alaska. Hey, Josh. <laughs> We're watching your kids right now. Your small group's taking care of them. We got Angela, who's watching from Florida, a friend of a coworker, a founded church online. You got people that come occasionally that go, I, I drove by your trailer for a year, and I just felt like I needed to come tonight. And it happened to be the night where the bottom fell out for them. And yet here's a church that is trying to walk alongside I wish I could just tell you story after story after story. And for a lot of you, it's your story of how God's met you here and ministered to you through one another and through others and through this church. And each story is unique, much like your fingerprint, unique. Look at your neighbor and say, you're unique. You're unique. 
Now, for some of you, you emphasize that a little bit more than maybe you should have. Um, but we're unique. There's small groups who are walking alongside young couples that are getting ready to have their first kid. And it's just story after story. The highs of life and the lows of life. And the beauty of the church is that we're put into this ragtag family that gets to walk life together. And sometimes we get that right, we do it really well. Sometimes it's messy. How many of you would say you have messy times in your family, right? Sometimes we don't necessarily get it right. And people can get hurt and we, we try to reconcile that, restore that, much the same way that we try to do that in our own families. And, and so I just invite you to continue to put roots down into the story that is you in the story that is this place. And maybe you're here tonight and you're like, man, this is my first Sunday here. Um, welcome. <laughs> like, I know it takes guts coming to a new place, and I know it, it's sometimes weird being in a new place, and so thanks for taking a chance on us, and, and uh, I'd love to meet you at the 10-minute party, but um, we, we've been in this series. Uh, we started two weeks ago in Romans chapter 8. Martin Luther, uh, <clears throat> not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther 500 years ago, that Martin Luther, uh, who, you know, the Protestant Reformation, that guy, um, he, uh, he said this was the greatest chapter in all of the Bible. Now, I don't know what the second greatest is, according to Martin Luther, but it's a big deal. It's, it's interesting, this chapter and what unfolds in it, and the, there's so many people who have some of their favorite verses in this chapter, and so we're spending a few weeks kind of walking through it. Um, the interesting thing is, like, from Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul, God's using the Apostle Paul to write and record this to the church in Rome, and, and he's kind of writing, in a lot of ways, kind of this trial case where at the end you would kind of get to this place in chapter seven where he's like, man, I am doomed. Like, I'm a wretched person. Where's my hope? And then he ends chapter seven with, praise be to Jesus, the rescuer of me. And then he writes Romans chapter eight, which just has incredible promises for you who are a person of faith, who have put your faith in Jesus. And maybe you're here and you haven't really got to that place yet. You're kind of spiritually searching. And, and friend, I'm so glad that you're here. I hope that you see a little bit of Jesus's heart for you in this. And so we said the very first week, it's this first verse. It like starts with a bang, it ends with a bang. We're kind of walking through it. This first verse is like, hey, there's no longer no condemnation over those who have put their faith in Jesus. Meaning this perfect, righteous, holy God who is set apart isn't condemning you anymore. This is John 3:16. for God so loved that he gave, that he came that if you believe you can receive, have life in his son, for God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. There's no more condemnation. We said, listen, you're gonna face consequences, we all do, of our decisions, but we don't have to live under condemnation. Your past can humble you, but your past doesn't have to haunt you. God has freed you from that. Jesus whispers, not guilty in the trial of life. You're not captured or held captive by your sin any longer. And then last week, we looked at this next reality that we are empowered people because of our faith in Jesus. We don't have to flintstone it in life. 
It's not up to us to kind of chase after things in our own power and kind of move our life along. We're empowered by the gift of the Holy Spirit that we are to live this empowered life which is so much better than the exhausted life of trying to do it on your own. 18 times in this one chapter, Romans chapter eight, the Apostle Paul speaks of the Spirit and how the Spirit is to empower us, to begin to influence us. Jesus is the one who said in John 14, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you, be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him. Why? Because he lives in you, not just around you, not just close by, but like in you as one who have put your faith in Jesus. So be filled with the Spirit, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. This idea of the Greek word there is to be influenced, controlled, intoxicated, permeated with, thoroughly influenced by. And maybe the, maybe the challenge for us last week is this, hey, is that an increasing thing for you over time? Maybe that's the simple prayer. God, I want to live the empowered life. I want to see that increase in me this year, more than it was last year, and, and more next year than it was two or three years ago. So I just want to lean into this increase. Would you increase the empowered life for me? Because I'm tired of trying to live the exhausted life. Maybe if you've ever been through the airport, uh, Tony Evans talks about this idea of uh, running to catch a flight. Anyone having to run to catch a flight before? And, and you're huffing it, you're, you're kind of... Gabe, your story is just, okay, anyway, different time. Um, but like of running to catch a flight and, and the reality, have you ever had that experience where you're running through and then you look over to your right or to your left and you see someone else who's like not walking or just walking normally, but they're faster than you and you realize they're on one of those moving sidewalks? That's really what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he talks about the empowered life. And maybe that's a common day example or illustration for us to live the empowered life, gifted and guided by the Spirit, is that you still have effort and energy and participation, but it's like the Spirit is moving you along in a little clip, a better clip than you on your own power in that. And so tonight, we continue on in Romans chapter 8. We're getting to verse 15 through 17. And, and tonight, I want to unpack one simple thought that if you and I can get our mind and our heart and our soul around this reality, it changes everything. And here's the thought. God, through Jesus and your faith in him, has now adopted you into his family. You are now a part of something so much bigger and so much better than you ever realized. Anyone ever been to an adoption ceremony before? Uh, we have friends here, in fact, we have several families in here who have either gone through that process of adoption, some international, some local, uh, who have gone through that experience, and even now as I kind of talk about it, some of you are kind of like, wow, I remember going through that. Some of you are, are in that process, uh, and, and I've written letters for you, and you know the story that you're in, and it's full of a lot of twists and turns. Some of you who have been through it before you know. <laughs> like, you could talk about how this adoption process is, like, supposed to be simple, and then it's not simple, and yet there's this fight, and there's this dependency on looking for God to, to move on your behalf and to help you and to help this child be placed into you as a forever family and a forever home. 
And if you've been around that, I've been to some at the courthouse uh, where uh, that family is put before the judge and they sign the paperwork and they acknowledge that this child has moved from a ward of the state to now to into this family. Their last name changes, but listen, it's so much more than just their last name changing because they're, they're their past is still part of their past, and that's a beautiful reality. And, and maybe it's even a broken reality. It's fractured in a lot of ways often. Uh, but the, the present gets forever altered, and the future moving forward is forever changed simply because of this adoption reality that takes place. I remember being at one at Udall Park, and it was for a family of, a, uh, uh, of people who go here, and it's for their daughter. And in this park, it's just adoption after adoption after adoption. And it's parties, and they got inflatables everywhere, and there's popcorn. It's just a giant celebration. Why? Because people's lives are being changed, literally forever, moving forward in the park. Have you ever been a part of that? Have you ever watched the TikToks or watched the stories of kids who are finding out they're being adopted? And you, like me, just like every military uh, return home one, I just weep at this. No, I mean, I'm moved, I, I get it, um, and I'm probably more teary than most of you, but like, I'm moved by this when I see it. Why? Why does it move our heart? Because we recognize, looking at this, that this is so much bigger than just a change of an address. It's so much more than just last name adjustment. It changes the very present and it forever alters the future going forward. And friend, you have been adopted by the creator of the heavens and the earth. And if you could ever get your mind around that, it changes everything. That's what Paul is beginning to lean into It's altering, it's changing. Here's how he unpacks it, verse 15 through 17, Romans chapter eight. If you have uh, your app, you can go down to sermon notes, follow along with there. Um, So here's what he says, verse 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit. Again, here's another iterance of those 18 times where he's talking about the spirit of God. When he adopted you as his own children, Now we call to him, Abba, Father. We'll unpack that in a minute. For his spirit joins with our spirit, our human spirit now, to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Paul's using this language of adoption, and he's calling these people to remember that their new given identity In a world where we are almost sometimes forced or chosen or invited to create our own identity, God's saying, no, 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 it's so much better than that. I have an identity for you. I'm gifting you an identity. I'm, I'm giving you something. I'm adopting you. Do you understand that? See, our tendency sometimes to read this in the 21st century mindset. And adoption is a beautiful thing in the 21st century. We've all seen the videos, we see it, we've been around it. But friend, you have to go back to the first century 
when this is kind of being written, and the backdrop and understanding of what is occurring in the reality around there. See, in the Roman culture, when a baby was born, they were set before their father. And the father either picked up the baby, symbolizing adoption or bringing in that family home, bringing that one into their family, or he turned around and walked away. That's the reality. In the Roman culture, the first century, early on in it, the, the father either brought the, the baby in or they turned around and walked away. And maybe he wanted a boy and, and had a girl. Maybe he wanted a girl and it was a boy. Maybe there was some kind of defect that, de- that pleased him. Really early on in the Roman culture, what they understood, what we forget sometimes, is that babies weren't be killed. We, we battled that reality today with abortion. But what was happening was abandonment. In fact, in the early Roman culture, the child was just left exposed to the elements for the gods to decide their fate. And so often, when you didn't want your child, you would simply go out to the marketplace and you would abandon them there. And the gods will determine their fate. That was common practice in the first century. That was the reality of the world at that time. And what would happen is a baby would be left or a child would be left abandoned and said, okay, we're done, or we didn't want you, and we just abandon you and leave you there. So the gods will determine your fate. And maybe if you were an opportunist, you would watch those areas in the marketplace. Often, sometimes in the church to Ephesus, it's recorded that outside the, the city of Ephesus, there was a garbage dump, and that's where it happened a lot. His kids were just abandoned there. If you were an opportunist, maybe you would come alongside because there's a whole slave culture backdrop, and so maybe you would go and pick up one of these children, and you would bring them into your house but you would not bring them into your home. You would raise them as a slave. You would raise them as a prostitute and you would pimp them out. That still happens in the 21st century, you know that, right? Sex trafficking is a huge, huge reality of the world in which we live. No one talks about it but it is a reality. Abandoned, coming from a fractured reality, left alone, and opportunists would try to take advantage of that. See, when Paul writes to this church and he's trying to say, listen, you have to understand in love, God has adopted you. He's writing to a people who is very familiar with an abandonment culture very familiar with the reality of abandonment in their culture. And here we are in the 21st century, so, so advanced as a people, humanity, we are so much better. Are we? Aren't we all very familiar with abandonment culture still today?
Aren't we all very familiar with cancel culture? Aren't we all participants in some way, shape, or form of canceling people we disagree with or that we don't like or we don't see eye to eye with and so we're done with you and we cast you aside. We disagree, we're offended. Some things in broken human nature never seem to change, do they? Oh, but we got smartphones. We're still dumb humanity. We're still broken. People are given up on, they're walked away from, they're stepped over, they're left behind. It might be one of the deepest pains of your life and what you suffer from. The one who said, I love you, a few months later, walked away from you and left you to pick up the pieces. And in big ways and in small ways, I bet you have felt the numbing sting of abandonment, of cancellation, of isolation. Paul is writing to a culture where babies were routinely abandoned. Here's an interesting historical note. One of the things that set the early church apart from the culture around it was that early followers of Jesus were some of the earliest rescuers of humanity. Do you know the the roots of of the human rights movement have its roots in the Christian movement? You know some of the earliest hospitals have Christian roots to them. Why? Because Jesus said, let the little children come to me. It was humanity that had a different flow to it. It was Christianity. Following followers after this follower, uh, this, this person, Jesus, trying to do what he would do and live more like he would that began to alter and change history. Whether you believe in Jesus or not as the Son of God, as the Messiah, you cannot argue his influence upon history. The influence and the rooted in the reality of the value of humanity, the value of a person, the value of their story, and that it matters to him. And if it matters to him, it should matter to me. As a follower of Jesus, like, I should just live in rhythm with that. So, some sex trafficking initiatives, a lot of the ones that are doing great good in the world are Christian-based. Human rights in general have been altered because of Christianity. And so Paul is writing to them, and maybe here's the takeaway for tonight. If you have now come to know Jesus, the most defining moment of your life is not who threw you out, but who has taken you in. Maybe the most defining moment of your life, what Paul's trying to get you to see, is not who threw you out, who walked away, who left you, but who has adopted you, who has brought you in. It's God himself says you have been adopted via Jesus and you've been brought into his family. 
If, if you've heard the whisper of God to bring you back to salvation of Jesus, the gospel, that we are all broken, we are all sinners, and we need a rescuer, then you have not only been rescued, you've not only been forgiven, but you've been adopted. This whole theology of adoption that we see in the New Testament and Paul emphasizes so much is that we've been brought into a relationship with God. That's why Christians talk so much about a relationship with God, not a religion that we follow. It's not about just a list of do's and don'ts. It's so much more relational than that. I used to say that if God carried a wallet, your picture would be in it. I now say, if God carried a cell phone, you'd be his screensaver. Because the reality is, I think we forget this. I think often as we talk about the gospel, we think of Jesus saving me from my sins. Friend, he did that. And he gets all praise and glory and honor for that. But friend, he did so much more than that. And if you only, if you stop there, you are missing so much of the beauty of the gospel. You're not only just forgiven, you're freed, not guilty. That's what Paul said, no more condemnation. Hey, you don't have to do it on your own. I'm now empowering you. Hey, and it gets better. This is what he's doing in Romans 8. He's building his case to say it just keeps getting better. You've been adopted now into God's family. Your most defining moment in life is not what happened to you, but what the creator has done for you. That is what defines you. And maybe even now, you wanna just whisper at your seat, God, thank you for adopting me. Like literally, I'm gonna encourage you to do that. I know for some of you, you don't want to do this. I don't care. I think sometimes we have to actually say something for it to become reality in our life. And so just repeat with me. God, thank you for adopting me. Do it again. God, thank you for adopting me. Like, you didn't have to. God could have sent a plan and said, follow this if you can. Good luck. That's what religion does. A lot of the world follows after that. But God didn't send a plan. He sent the person, Jesus. He sent himself to not only die on a cross and to resurrect to new life, to show us that it's possible, and to forgive you of your sins, justification, to justify you and me before a holy God. It's so much more than that. He invites us in. See, if you're an orphan or one who has been abandoned, adoption, well, that offers a whole new hope, a whole new start. It's a renewed future, a real relationship, a second chance, a solid security in life when you had none. And your heavenly Father has adopted you, friend, as a follower of Jesus. Here's how Paul says it again, verse 15. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You don't have a master that you have to cower before. You have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and now you get to call him Abba, Father. Abba in Aramaic is literally daddy. It's the most intimate term that uh, the Hebrew people and many in the Middle East would use even today to refer to their father, to daddy, 
Abba. That's what Paul's saying. Uh, you get to go before the creator of the heavens and the earth, not as he's the master and I'm a slave. We're, we're called to be slaves of Christ, but that's about our commitment to him. But we're invited to come before him and call him Abba, Daddy, our heavenly Daddy, calling us to himself. Now, for some of you, this idea of Daddy or Father brings up a whole nother story. And I get that. For some of you, that is not a good picture in your mind. And for that, I am sorry. I wish it was different. And I, I know I've met with some of you and just sitting having coffee and, and I've heard the stories of what the word daddy or the word father even begins to stir up in your heart. For some of you, that's a challenging thing. It speaks about a distance. It speaks about one who is distracted or disappointed continually, demanding and never approving. And friend, my invitation to you is simply this. Would you let the scriptures begin to paint a beautiful picture of the reality of God as a good heavenly father? To repair the damage and to replace the picture that maybe you have in your mind. I invite you, if your backstory is a challenging one, then let your present and future story be influenced by what we see in scripture, what we see in Jesus. Um, adoption is a, a fun thing. There was a, a first grader in class, they were talking about how she was adopted to the class and they were sharing the adoption story and teacher was trying to help the kids understand it and the first grader raised their hand and said, you know, I'm adopted. My mom explained to me like this, it's when the baby grows in your heart instead of your tummy. We have a heavenly father who maybe saw you as abandoned, cast aside, separated by sin, who picked us out, who picked us up, who signed the paperwork and adopted us and brought us home with him. That's what the scriptures begin to say over and over. We can approach God with confidence. We can come before him. He's our Abba. He's our heavenly daddy. I'm reverent, but I'm invited in. Do you know when my kids can call me? Anytime they want. If I'm in a meeting, do you know what I do in that meeting? I answer the phone call. I don't care if I'm meeting with the president of a company or anybody else. When my kids call me, they are my top priority. Everybody else can wait. Now I may tell them, you know what? I need a few moments. I just wanna make sure you're okay. I'll call you back in a few. But anytime my kids call me, I answer. Why? Because I'm their dad and they're mine, and they matter to me. Maybe that's what the writer of Hebrews means when he writes this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? With fear? No. Let us approach the throne of grace with hesitation? Is that what he says? No. Let us approach the throne of grace with what? Confidence. 
that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Do you know when you can call on your heavenly father, your Abba, anytime you need him? Do you know what? He will pay attention. The scriptures over and over speak how his ear is attuned to our prayer. And it's not because you did something special. It's because you're special to him. I don't answer my kids' phone calls because they did something special for me. I answer the phone call because they are special to me. It's their identity. It's not their behavior, their performance, or their action. It's their identity. So when we go from someone who has been forgiven, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, you're freed. You've actually been empowered now. Whoa, 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 and it gets even better. You've been adopted, brought in to God's family. We don't have to cower before him. We get to cuddle up with him. He goes on, verse 16 through 17, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to reconfirm over and over, you are God's kid. He's got you. He's with you. He's for you. He's with you. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Paul uses the adoption to illustrate that believers' new relationship with God and gives us a privilege that we didn't have before. It gives us rights that we didn't have before. In Roman culture, the adopted person lost all rights to the old family and gained all the rights of a legitimate child. So very much in our culture today. Then you become adopted, all of the past is erased, there's no more ties to that, and you are now brought into this family and all rights reserved, everything that was given to the biological kid is now to you as the adopted kid. You get it all. It's not second class, it's not second best, it's everything. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, talks about that this theory, this theology of adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers, higher even than justification. It's one thing for God the Father to forgive sinners. That's important, but it's one thing for that. It's an entirely different thing to be adopted into his family. You're not merely forgiven. We are graciously invited into God's family as his children and as co-heirs with Christ. When a person becomes a Christian, he or she gains all the privileges and all the responsibilities of being God's kid in God's family. And you've been enfolded into his expanding family, international family. Every country, every tribe, every tongue, every family. So for people who struggle with racism, you better get over it because heaven is gonna be all people all tribes, all tongues, you're in that family. So let God deal with that because you better get that right and better get that fixed. So we get enfolded into something different. Our adoption means we are loved like Christ is loved. That's why Paul talks so much about you are now hidden in Christ. What does that mean? That means when God looks at you, he sees Jesus in you. It's like he's looking at Jesus. Now listen, I am very far from Jesus. Anyone else willing to admit, yeah, I'm not him, okay? But when God sees you, 
He sees you. He sees Jesus in you. Your circumstances do not hinder that. Your performance does not change that. And it does not threaten that promise that's given to you. Paul is not promising you and me a better and perfect life circumstances. Nope. What he's promising is a far better life. He's promising you and I that we get to live as children of God. I'll close with these quotes. Brennan Manning, uh, one of my favorite authors. I get a lot of favorite authors. He writes this. Would you just let these words kind of sink into you? Read them over and over. Take a picture if you need to. But Brennan talks about this reality. If you would let this become your identity, not something that you think about, but something that who you are. My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus and I've done nothing to earn it or deserve it. Define yourself radically as one beloved by God. Why? Because you're adopted into his family. This is your true self. Every other identity is an illusion. And so may I read over you again as our team comes to close us in a song. Romans 8, 15 through 17. Friends, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, listen, listen, listen. You have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own child. And now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Jesus, I thank you that through our faith in you, we not only receive forgiveness of our sins, we no longer live under condemnation. We face consequences, sure. But we don't live under a condemnation of a perfect and holy God any longer. You took care of that for us. Holy Spirit, you've been placed within each believer, each follower of Jesus who has trusted their life to you to live this empowered life, to not live the exhausted life any longer. May you increase the reality of that empowerment for each one of us. And Father, Abba, you have done more than just empower us and forgive us. You have adopted us. You saw us abandoned and broken, cast aside. And you picked us out and you picked us up and you brought us home in a relationship with you. Father, I pray that that reality would begin to take deeper and deeper root into each heart here. That it would revolutionize how we see you, how we approach you, how we pray with you, how we engage with you. We don't come before you trying to earn your approval. We can call anytime. You always pick up. You are a God who is for us. You've freed us. You've empowered us. You've adopted us. Would you help us grow to understand more and more how to walk in that reality? We pray.
continually invited to come to our Abba Father with the needs that we have, yes. But even more than that, just to know Him, to be known by Him, to experience Him, to have Him laugh with us, to find joy in Him, to have Him walk us through the challenges that come. So friend, may you continue to walk, maybe even run at times to the Father who loves you, accepts you, welcomes you in, who has adopted you as a follower of Jesus into the family of God. And may we as his brothers and sisters, your brothers and sisters, continue to, to walk alongside one another the best we know how in the moment we're in to love on you and with you and to bless one another, to own up when we get it wrong, ask for forgiveness and try to get it right and to keep working on that. So a uh, couple different things before we head out is uh, this is Teacher Appreciation Week. And so we have adopted John B. Wright Elementary and Catalina High School. And so we're, you'll see stuff on um, on socials this week as we're doing that. So thanks for all of you who partner with us financially. We don't pass a plate here. We have giving boxes in the back. A lot of people give online that way. Your giving does make a difference in the lives of the stories I was telling you earlier, like helping people with benevolence and ministering to them. Uh, meeting people where they are, blessing teachers that we're connected to at the two schools we've pseudo-adopted, so to speak, uh, as we've been loving on them over the last eight, nine years. Um, May 28th, church potluck, old school. We, we do it once a year. So we'd love for you to sign up. Um, and uh, all the sign-up information's in the app with that. So you could do that. You can also, we're doing the food distribution this coming Saturday, a second Saturday. We will pack food boxes at Caring on Friday morning, give them out on Saturday. So if you'd like to be a part of that helping us, we'd love to invite you to be part of that. Uh, if you are new, I'd love to meet you at the 10-minute party in about 32 seconds right back there. Karen's there already. Uh, and then dinner tonight. Oh, we're going to Portillo's. <gasps> That's one of my jams. Okay, so like Portillo's is where we're heading tonight. If you don't know where that's at, it's over by Elkhorn's new place. Chicago Dogs and Burgers. Like if I'm telling you people, I went there. I became a convert like 10 years ago in Chicago. Now they're here. It's amazing. So if you want to join us for dinner, feel free to do that. Uh, if you're, uh, if you have like you can't do gluten. Good luck. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think it's I think they have Portillo's, Jack. Port that, it's not really Portillo's, right? I'm saying this right. Okay, right, okay. Margo's got it covered. Thank you. So okay. right, confirmation. You got confirmation, it. Confirmation. Confirmation. Confirm. We I'm believe just in confirmation. Growing up in Tucson, here, so. so I see that double L, right? <laughs> yes, that's Spanish. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here. Uh, we love you, friends. May you have a blessed week. We'll see you back here next Sunday.